It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here. As always, and we're here to reflect on another Villa loss, 1-0 at Villa Park to, uh, yeah, Watford. Uh, the losing streak against Watford um, I, I kind of continues, I guess, in that circumstance. And, um, yeah, poor form continues as well. But, of course, I'm joined by Simon O'Regan and Sebastian Bacon as well. So we'll go to Seb first. How's it going for you? Yeah, it's never great after a loss, is it? But, um yeah, it's difficult because I feel like as a fan base, we're just trying to understand where things are going so wrong. Because when Gerard came in, we looked really positive. We looked as though we were moving in the right direction. And it looked as though he had things worked out. But as of late, things have sort of derailed themselves. And we look to have moved across on that path that we were heading on. And now we seem to be heading in a bit of a downward spiral. So I think me as well as everyone else included are just hoping that we can end that spiral pretty quickly really yeah I think we went off the path into like a muddy bog and we just can't get ourselves out but nonetheless Simon how's it going for you uh sometimes these are tough to do aren't they I mean yeah what one point from games against Leeds Newcastle and Watford it's it's not great. I mean, to be honest, I think the fact Watford have done the double over us, part of me thinks we should automatically be relegated as punishment for that because Watford are bloody awful. But um, yeah, I've, I've, I've had better weekends. Yeah, and isn't it also typical of Villa to somewhat ruin a weekend or at least a Saturday? So at least a full 24 hours, it kind of feel like you're in one of those lulls. And now we have to ponder that through a whole week and wait to see what happens against, against Brighton, who, to be fair, lost against Burnley. So who knows uh, what they'll be feeling as well. But I'm sure we'll show up in some kind of negative circumstance and it will probably continue with the way we're playing. But anyways, of course, like I said, a 1-0 loss to Watford. Emmanuel Dennis scoring. Um, Ashley Young looking massively off the pace when he came on. We'll get to that later because uh, he's got a lot of stick for that with all the kind of... Uh, um bravado i guess he brings when he's on the pitch and the big kind of ones he gives to the players with the the chest bumps and all that kind of stuff but anyways seb where do you sit with this in terms of not just the last three games but this season i mean for me i almost kind of sat there this morning and thought you know what if we would have beaten leeds drawn against newcastle and drawn against Watford you maybe sit there and think you know what those are three games you'd want to win but we're still picking up points but when you look at teams around us and teams above us everyone's at least drawing games they're getting some kind of result and with us we're either winning or we're losing there's really no in between is there it's really difficult because it's all about perspective isn't it you know had we had we got the results that you mentioned it wouldn't surprise me if we were still sat here going, oh, wow, if only we'd have beaten Newcastle or if only we'd have beaten Watford. But to come out of Brentford, Newcastle, Watford and Leeds with one point is disastrous, in my opinion. Um, 
you know, you look at the calibre of players we've got at our disposal and we should definitely be doing better than that. I think that's an understatement, really. But I think the difficulty that we struggle to get our heads around is just the manner of which we lost. Because it's not as though we've even looked good or we've had positive moments that we can look back on and go, right, we were unlucky there. Or, you know, things fall, haven't fallen our way. You know, these results have been due to our own downfall and we've deserved to lose these games. So it's really difficult. You've got a... Stephen Gerrard said yesterday he's got to try and find a way to become less leaky at the back whilst also scoring because if you're letting goals in at one end but not being able to put them away at the other, then, you know, that's a recipe for disaster and that's that's the whirlwind that we're currently in at the moment. Yeah, it's a tricky one. And uh, just an audio quality heads up, there's a snowplow across my street. So if you hear that, I do apologize. But uh, nonetheless, it's a, it's a normal day in Canada here with lots of snow. But anyways, um, Simon, it, it's a frustrating one to kind of think out of in the overall context of things. But like, I, I understand the whole kind of media circus around Gerard, and you, you, you look at it and he does own up to mistakes and that's great. And when we kind of looked at and reflected on the Newcastle result, we all kind of thought, okay, there's going to be some mass changes. And the only change was Danny Ings. What to be fair, like he didn't score, but I thought he actually had a decent game. Again, there's no real supply to the forward line to really kind of get the best out of him. But I guess a two-parter, what did you make of Ings's game yesterday? And I guess kind of those supposed changes that didn't happen. Um, well, I think with Ings, first of all, I think he should have been awarded a penalty. After two minutes, I'm 100%. I'm, I'm still absolutely gobsmacked as to how that was given. Like that, it was ridiculous. But uh, you know, moving on from that, he kind of, as you say, he didn't he didn't get an awful lot of service. He did get one good ball through from Brendia where he, he should have scored and obviously hit the post. And I'm not sure if he'd have been given offside there anyway. Um, I kind of. It's it's difficult to judge because I think the substitution ten minutes into that second half, bringing Watkins on, just that that complete you, you took two players out of the game there, completely negated any influence that Ings was going to have, and you're playing Watkins, who's hopelessly out of form anyway, out of position when he comes on. So that was one of three very odd substitutions I thought Gerard made in that game, and in terms of. That being the only change, I was surprised. I mean, I I think begin the last two games since Newcastle and Leeds, I thought he was really poor in both those games. And you kind of think, what's Morgan Sanson got to do to, to get a start? I'm not saying that he'll come in and, you know, everything will magically change. But, you know, was it, they say the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Like, you that midfield and McGinn, Louise and Ramsey, it's just, just that's not a midfield. I think that can play together in, in that system there. Louise, you know, well, I'm not even going to bother going on about that because we've, we've done it to death. We, we all know he's not a defensive midfield to move on. But like, the game yesterday, Ramsey was so deep yesterday. He, he didn't, I, I don't really remember him bursting forward once. And you kind of think, what, like, what, why is that all of a sudden happened? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was surprised there weren't more changes to that starting lineup. But then you look at the changes he did make, and they made no difference whatsoever. If anything, we got progressively worse with each sub that came on. So 
I don't know what the answer is at the moment. I, I think I think I said on here maybe after the Newcastle game um, that there's a few players that uh, I actually think there's quite a few players at that club that won't be there next season. I, I think there's going to be a big clear out in the summer, unfortunately, for some of those players. Yeah, and I think we've been saying that kind of pre or post recording most weeks, probably for the last month. So I'm not really surprised to hear that, and I think it's going to happen. But Seb, I'll throw this back at you in this way. We saw when Gerard came in, of course, everyone can say it's a typical new manager boost, all that kind of stuff. But if you look at who the personnel we were playing then and how we were playing, it is massively different, in my opinion, to the games that we've won compared to how it is right now. Of course, you look at Coutinho coming in, Luca Dean coming in as well. So you're expecting a different standard there. But like for you, is it tactical I wouldn't say lack of nose from Gerard but is it almost like you're gonna play this one system it's going to work or is it do we need more time or is it is it time to kind of change back to the old you know what I mean it, it kind of feels like we're in that certain period under Dean Smith the last five games of his uh, villa career with us where it's we're trying a few different things to tweak the lineup and then you know in the fifth game we're gonna throw on I don't know. We're somehow going to recall Keenan Davis and he's going to hopefully come on and score or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a lot of circumstance coming out right now where we can change X, Y, and Z, like Simon said, but at the end of the day, if it's not the personnel, then we have to change the tactics, don't we? Yeah. I mean, the difference between the start of Gerard's era and now in his short tenure, it's, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? You know, he came in and he had us all thinking, wow, you know, this team, this team can play football. He seemed to know what he wanted. He seemed to know the players that he trusted. And now I feel as though he's a bit almost unknown whether that the January transfer window, although we've brought in these brilliant top-class players, whether whether that's almost hindered us a bit because, you know, you've always got to have that bedding-in period, which I think the likes of Dinya and Coutinho have done perfectly. I think they've bedded in perfectly, but um, it's really difficult, isn't it? You've just got to think, like the likes of Coutinho, he's he's still forming relationships with the likes of Danny Ings, Bailey, Brendia, Ramsey. You know, you've got all these brilliant players in the forward line. Let's look at the forward line firstly. You've got so many good attacking players that. Gerard will be thinking, how can I utilise these in the best way possible? Whereas I feel as though in previous seasons, we almost haven't had that problem because maybe due to a lack of numbers. And, you know, we've been saying for years that we need squad depth to be able to build on our performances and move higher up the league. But now that we've got that squad depth, it almost seems a bit like, well, how do we use it in the best way possible? It's like we're struggling to be able to, to utilise it correctly. And, you know, I'm glad I'm not being paid to make that decision, but Gerard will get it right eventually. I, I have complete faith that he he will know what he wants from these group of players and he will he will understand what it takes to get there. You know, these things aren't a quick fix. Most of these players were the same ones that got Smith sacked. So, you know, it's not going to be a change that happens overnight and, we might have to wait until summer until Gerard gets a few more players in that he can work with and we start to see different results. But I I didn't expect to see a downfall this severe 
I must admit, you know, not scoring against Watford and Newcastle is is a travesty, in my opinion. Um, I think if you look at that, that's probably two of the worst defences in the league. I'm not sure on the numbers exactly. But to not score out of those with the players we have is stupidly bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because when... What I was trying to say earlier, and it didn't really come out the greatest way. If you look at, say, even the Brighton game, I mean, of course, it's the first game and a few games after that when we're on a bit of an uptick. Like, the press was so much better than it is now. Like, I don't even see a forward press anymore. The the willingness to almost constantly go at an opposing back line just isn't there for me. And I don't know if we're sacrificing that because of your playing Coutinho and Buendia. But, I mean... To be fair to Bundia, he was pressing before Continuo came in because he was in that system. So I almost kind of wonder if we're sacrificing some of that to fit in the likes of someone like Continuo, which I, I'm not knocking on and say we have to take him out of the side. But my main fear with this, and maybe this is a little bit of me being irrational, and I was talking to our own Tom Nightingale on WhatsApp about this yesterday, is I hope if Continuo has a really poor game, he's also eligible to be out of the, the side for a bit to start on the bench. And I hope it gets to that point because to be honest, I, I just, I don't want one player in the side where they think they're untouchable because he used to play with Steven Gerrard, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I feel like there's just a little bit more accountability that needs to be taken and whether that's changing personnel or changing tactics, something has to change to be honest, because if we play like that every week, we'll be in, um, a relegation scrap. And I wouldn't say we're in that yet. We're in about what, nine points away from that. So I uh, maybe even maybe a little bit different landscape if Leeds somehow be united after recording this, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not a pretty one, but said, did you want to say something? That's really surprising to me, Cole, because I think Coutinho has been one of our very few bright sparks in this. And I know you weren't probably meaning to single him out. And by saying that, <laughs> no. <you> know, <laughs> no, no player should be held accountable, but, I just thought the mention of Coutinho was was quite funny because I thought he was maybe our one player that has been able to look to gain an attacking outlet. And especially in the last two games, has been one of the few players that looked like creating chances and scoring. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah, see, like, I've kind of screwed myself a little bit in my words because I let myself ramble and then I lose my whole point um, as Simon smirks and knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so he definitely agrees with that, but it it's not, I'm not picking on Coutinho necessarily. It's just an example of a player coming in, probably one of the best signings we could ever imagine, especially I would never even imagine a signing someone like him. It's just the fact that obviously he's a luxury player and you can think of luxury players at other clubs and, I wouldn't say he's the same as like a Mesut Ozil, but that's what I think of. They're a luxury player in that midfield. They may not necessarily track back, but their their quality at in their prime of their career going forward. And I, I kind of sit there and think, are we sacrificing maybe two or three positive aspects of our game to fit someone like that in? Maybe it's not even him. Maybe it's playing him in Buendia. Maybe we can only play one. I'm just throwing good ideas because to be honest, we all know what the main issue is and it's our fullbacks bombing forward and that's our only positive momentum going forward. And then we're done on the counter every 30 seconds because it's so easy. But Simon, if I'm making sense at all, where do you sit with all this? (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I get the point that, that you're making. I think I don't. I know you've lost so much of that with Coutinho in because when he wasn't in, you tended to have Watkins out wide and Ings through the middle, and like I, I don't know if if you got much diff, you know, much more of a press with that three than you know, with Coutinho. I, I think one of the, the the other problems is that as you, you mentioned there with the fullbacks bombing forwards and. Uh, Sort of getting so high, but we seem so reluctant to get it out to them with any speed or purpose. I mean, we were kind of it's something that's really, really annoys me is when players sort of dribble a pass to one another, like punching in with a bit of purpose. These are professional players, they can control the ball, move it quickly. And you're playing a team like Watford, you know they're going to be shit. And let's let's be honest, Watford were shit yesterday. I, I actually don't think we did deserve to lose that game. I thought we weren't great, don't get me wrong, but the first half and even the second half, there's only one team trying to win that. Watford came four points and nicked one on the break, but they, they weren't good. Um, but, you know, they're going to be organised, at, at least. That, that's the one thing they are going to be well-drilled and organised. So you've got to move the ball quickly and with just the build-up is so slow. And there were so many times in that second half, especially when Dino's in oceans of space out on the left, and the ball just doesn't come to him or it comes to him in five passes when one or two will do. And then by the time he's got it, he's got two Watford players coming in on him and he's got no option but to cut onto his weaker right foot and just float it hopelessly out of play. <laughs> but if the ball comes to him when he's made that run sooner, he can whip it in first time. That's what he's meant to be doing. It's That's a real issue. I, I don't understand. If, if your game plan is to have the width from your fullbacks bombing forwards constantly, surely you think, well, you might want to try and move it to them quickly whilst, whilst you know, the defensive team are sort of in that transition coming back. So that was a that was a real frustrating aspect of that game yesterday for me. Yeah, I mean, there, and I'm not, again, I'm not picking on Coutinho, but I can think of one instance of play. I can't remember, maybe it was in the second half or the third, but regardless, he got the ball almost dead middle of the pitch and instead of playing it to Dean on the left who was bombing forward like open as day decided to take on two players to be fair he got past them and got it to Maddie Cash and Maddie Cash I think fumbled basically mishandled it um and it went out for uh, went out of play or it was some kind of poor ball in from that but it's almost the simple things we're missing I feel like we're just overthinking the easiest of things and to be fair if you're gonna play with your fullbacks bombing forward so much and they're going to be your most advanced players at times and i think it was uh, uh pat Rowe, uh pgr analytics on twitter that put out kind of a little bit of a, a graph today or some kind of diagram or heat map for the players and if you look obviously maddie cash and luca dean are the ones that are almost just as forward as uh as danny ings was and, and you sit there and think okay that's okay if it's working for one it's not working right now Number two, if you're going to leave that space, then you kind of have to expect either Dougie or one of McGinn to stay back as well. And if you look at that map, I wish I honestly, we did a visual podcast because it'd make more sense. It's just, you're basically leaving two players on a counter attack with five Watford players coming at them at once because our midfield is a joke to get past at this point. And I was thinking like, I don't know, Seb, I'll throw this at you. And maybe this is me kind of hypothesizing. And I know it probably won't work because we've tried it before under Dean Smith. But in my opinion, you almost might, you might as well play a back three if we're going to be that open and you're going to leave them that forward. Yeah, you could do. Um, 
I, I know the graph you're on about, and I think he was comparing our our shape with and without Nakamba. And when Nakamba's in the team, it's almost like he's a third centre back at times because he will not get forward in in great capacity. So he'll be able to support the centre backs and he'll be there as cover if needed. Whereas Douglas just doesn't do that role and it's it's clear for everyone to see. And I'm sure even Gerard sees it, but we've got such little numbers back there that there's there's just no alternative at the moment. A back five could definitely be something to use going forward, but it, <laughs> then you've got to take out one of your your midfield players and it's who do you sacrifice? Do you take Louise out? But then you've got a midfield of McGinn and Ramsey. And is that a strong enough midfield or would be would we be putting too much pressure on the back three to perform then? It's difficult, isn't it? Because Constable will be back next game and you know perhaps we'll see a massive difference when he's back I think we're all forgetting that you know we've arguably been missing our our best defender for the last two so you know that could be that could be a strong reason but I think we'd have to wait and see until concert comes back if if we play a back four concert comes back and and Mings and concert still struggle then it's something that I'd look at but if you think about it, Konz is a very Rolls-Royce defender in which he will be able to allow two players attacking at him and normally be able to sit off, wait for a mistake and then be able to capitalise. Whereas I think Chambers is more like Mings in that sense of he will go and press the attacker down, try and win the ball off him, make a tackle, but then if they pass it round him, then... You know, he's left himself too open. So it's certainly something that we could look at. But, I mean, just the last few games has been so frustrating. I'm sure, si- I know, Simon, you were there yesterday. It will have even left you pulling your very minuscule hairs out. It was that It was that frustrating. Yes, it was. It was annoying. Um, I mean, we were sort of talking before we started recording about the atmosphere in the grounds. And yeah, it was obviously the last ten minutes. People weren't happy, but it wasn't um, it wasn't like a toxic atmosphere or anything like that. I've, I've certainly seen it a lot worse. But you know, we just lost at home to Watford. Of, of course, people are going to be un- unhappy. But I, I think I, I think the majority of fans are you know definitely still sort of behind Gerrard and, you know, uh, with him. I don't think there's any, you might see, you know, the old press on Twitter, but that's that's Twitter for you. Um, but in the grounds, I think most people are, are sort of with it. But just, uh, I think just these last few games, it's been so frustrating because we've not played good teams. Leeds, Newcastle and Watford, they're not good teams. Like, we, we should be beating them and... It's uh, the Newcastle <coughs> performance, especially, was was a really bad one. As I said, the, the Watford game yesterday, first half, I, I thought we played pretty well, actually. If I'm being honest, like you, I mean, you're coming at half time, you're thinking, I should be nice to have sort of made this dominance count, but it, but we were completely dominant. Second, even the second half was. We maybe didn't look as threatening. We still the majority of the game was played in their half. It 
And the problem was <clears throat> one of the big problems I thought was was the three subs we made. That none of them made any sense to me. And as I said earlier, I thought we got progressively worse as each sub came on. And that's you know the, that that's that's when the game changed for me. Watford, you know, fair play to them. They 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 come and you know got their counter attack goal and was away the three points. But I, I didn't think we were terrible yesterday in the performance but it's a terrible result yeah I, I mean you can basically say Stevie G went for it with the substitutions in some instances of course uh, Bundia coming off cash coming on or off I should say um, I, I still don't understand the mindset of how I love Ashley Young but I don't understand how he would do better as a right back versus Matty Cash um I mean, it proved to be probably one of the reasons why we lost. But anyways, um, regardless of that, just for me, really, I hate kind of being both sides because I feel I almost feel like Danny Raza right now complaining about substitutions. But it's either we do them too late or they're meaningless. And I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a circumstance thing, too, when you sit back and look at it, because I think most people feel like if substitutions don't really have a positive impact on the game, regardless of you if you win, lose, or draw, then there's that kind of negative aspect. But for me, I, I sit there and look at it. If you're bringing on Leon Bailey, it, for me, you're bringing him on at halftime. I don't see what he does for 19 minutes. Um, if you're, again, I don't understand the Ashley Young one. If you're, if you're going to bring on these three players, then for me, you do it a lot earlier because I, I just don't see that urgency and the know-how to really change that game. And, for one, you're almost kind of changing your shape too. Like, of course, we know Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings together collectively don't work. And albeit Ollie Watkins comes on for maybe about the first five minutes, he looked like he had a bit of urgency and he was trying to press us forward. But again, there's no real momentum there. And Seb, I'll come back to you with this one. I mean, how do you line up against Brighton for this one? Do you think it's going to be the same lineup with maybe – an additional tweak where does it kind of sit with you like I kind of feel bad for the listeners because we're not really going too deep into the Watford game in particular but to be fair if you want to listen to that listen to the kneecap a post Newcastle podcast to be honest because it's the same shit (laughs) Um, I'll be expecting a fight back from Brighton um Graham Potter will be the sort of manager where if you're losing 3-0 at home to then bottom of the league, Burn, uh, Burnley. Then they will be, they will be expecting to bounce back at home. Villa don't have the best records at the Amex, so you know, typical that we have Newcastle where we haven't won in about seventy-five years, and then now we have the Amex Stadium, which I don't remember us last winning a game there. Simon will probably be able to because, you know, he has the experience over me. But um, we we need to be more solid defensively. Brighton have the assets to be able to punish us. And even though we're weak in attack at the moment, they have a very strong defence. So it's a real possibility that they could, they could keep us out for 90 minutes. And then knowing our defence at the moment, we'll be able to slot one or two past us as well. So we have to be wary of their assets. Their full-backs also like to bomb forward. Kukurea and Lamptey I'm a massive massive fan of but exactly the same with us if we can exploit their 
their fullbacks getting forward, then we should be able to create space and behind that should space could be available for Coutinho and Buendia to be able to work themselves in. I'd be expecting Danny Ings to start again because I feel as though he was unlucky not to score. He obviously hit the post, could have and should have won a penalty. So I'll be expecting him to start. And if Coutinho and Buendia can get in behind their full backs and cause cause their back three some problems, then we could be able to score again. I'd hope that we'd score because I feel like if we don't score, then we definitely won't draw or lose the game. I'm expecting to concede, but it's it's about whether what we can do at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, massively. Simon, I'll, I'll simplify this one for you. We'll, we'll stick to the midfield because it's the biggest talking point and we probably talk about it every week now. Um, and I said this, I, don't, I can't remember if it was to you um, or Tom or Danny or whoever it was, maybe even Seb as well. Is it, is it time to give old Callum Chambers a, a little run at DM right now, do you think? Do you know, I wouldn't be surprised actually if that happens because obviously Conza's going to come back in. Um I mean, Chambers, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I wasn't overly thrilled by that signing. I'm not a massive fan of his. But the, the two games he's played, I think he's been OK, like reasonably solid enough. And I know he played that role, I think, for Fulham. I mean, they went down that year, but he did get their player of the year, I think, playing in that whole midfield role. Um, so, yeah, I, thought, I could probably see that happening because, I mean, like... As you know, he's going over old grounds, but he, he can't. Luis just can't play there, and especially against a team like Brighton, who who moved the ball quite nicely through that midfield. It, yeah, it may be better to have um, have like a, a proper, more defensive minded player in there. Like I, I kind of thought yesterday wasn't an opportunity to maybe start that Iribunum. I mean, I know it's. You kind of you don't want to chuck a youngster in when you're on a dodgy run of form, like it can put a bit of pressure on them. But the Watford weren't really going to offer anything and didn't, so that that could have been an opportunity maybe to to start him just to see how he did in there. I would personally uh, drop McGinn for Samsung as well. I, I just I think some you need to try something different in there. It's, it's not working at the moment and. It's not just, you know, I feel like I'm singling him again out here. I don't mean to go, I'm a big fan of his, but like all three of them were, were poor yesterday and, and it wasn't working. But over the sort of course of the season, the last few months, you're not dropping Ramsey because he's these bloody top goal scorer. <laughs> so you can't do that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be against maybe a midfield three of Chambers, Sansons, uh, Ramsey for that Brighton game. Just, so you've got to try something different. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, I was kind of thinking about this as you're speaking. I, I'm not saying sacrifice. Well, I guess I am saying sacrifice one of Buendia or Coutinho, but I wouldn't mind seeing Ramsey play a little bit forward for a game and then maybe trying Sanson and I don't know. I, I, I think McGinn does need to go, get out there for a game or two. He looks, he looks exhausted and frustrated, and you can tell when he's exhausted or frustrated when he had about three easy options to pass the ball to in the second half. And that went for like a 45 yard screamer that went probably um, into somewhere in Kentucky in the States or something. Cause it, I don't even know where the hell that thing landed, but 
it's uh it, it's not a pretty one and of course we could beat the the, the now dead horse um when we talk about defensive midfielders but at the end of the day something does need to change and i think i read a stat something about dougie louise and again i don't want to single him out either because he's not a defensive midfielder and he's playing in that role and i think it was like he made like four of 16 tackles yesterday or something like that. But every time I thought of him on the pitch yesterday, he needed someone to come help him make that tackle or get that ball to dispossess the, the walk for man, but we'll have to see what happens. But uh, yeah, that's, that's that. So let's go over to the uh, three word reviews on Twitter to see if that adds to our misery a little bit more here. And some of them are quite funny. Um, So hopefully people enjoy those. Of course you can tweet us at 75, 100 to hold on Twitter to have your say post-match. They usually come out about, I don't know, anywhere between 15 to an hour after that. So be sure to get involved. So I'll read through all the ones that I liked here. So hopefully it brightens your gloomy Villa Day a little bit more. We'll start with uh, Ian Whiting, Can't Cross Ball, uh, Dave de Gurnier, uh, when's Nakamba back, which actually I do want to talk about after this. Now I think about it. So thank you, uh, Dave, for reminding me. Uh, Rob G, change starting lineup. Uh, Borb, back to basics. Macavilla relegation battle again. Clausby, Rasmussen, one in eight. Aston Villa rise, too damn predictable. Sims, AVFC, Smith's championship squad. From Witten to Rotterdam, lack of chemistry. Uh, let's go down to um, Addy saying piss poor effort. Brandon Campbell, no more young. CT Yankee 71 saying disappointed, not panicked. Boxy, total rebuild required. Lee Evans, need a win. Uh, so solid crew. Um, yeah, of course. I'm not doing that accent. I was going to try to, and I, I backed out the last minute. So throw abuse my way, if you will. A Donovan, soft in possession. Um, David Matthews, another tough watch. Andrew uh, Hovkamp with a little uh, gif from Waterboy with the, we suck again. Um, So hopefully people enjoy that nonetheless. Uh, And we'll do two more. Uh, Mikhail B. Ottenson. uh, I'm sorry if I butchered that, Mikhail. Uh, Same starters, why? And we'll finish with probably the most obvious one. Uh, Matthew Cece, uh, free Sanson, pause. yeah, that, that probably sums it up pretty damn well if you do ask me myself. But anyways, let's go to our match balls here and see if we can actually muster up the courage to figure out who was the best player on the pitch yesterday. Simon, I'll come to you first. Uh, um, <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, probably go for Brendan. I, I thought, I thought he, was, he was trying to make things happen and he, he did put that three ball to uh, twings in the first half to create that chance, which should have put us one nil up, which I think would have made it a very different game. But I mean, I really can't think of anyone other than that. So yeah, just, just for at least he was tr- constantly trying to make things happen, which made his sub, you know, one of as I've already said, three baffling substitutions for me. But yeah, I'll go Brendan. Fair enough. And I saw some people getting on his back about oh, he's only had this many goals in twenty two games, and I thought really. He's not a striker. And first of all, look how we're playing. What do you expect? But anyways, Seb, who would your uh, man of the match slash match ball be going to today? Simon stole my answer. I was I was going to go Brendier and I probably will stay with that decision. Honorable mention to 
to Martinez. I think it could have could have got quite worse without him. Actually, he made he made a few stunning saves, but yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my decision with Buendia as well. Fair enough. Um, I'm going Emmy Martinez. That's what I gave in the player ratings. Um, it probably could have been three or four nil at one point, to be honest, with how bad the second half got later on after uh, Emmanuel Dennis's opener. Um, and prior to that, in the first half, he made one hell of a, a great save on a Watford counterattack as well. So um, it says a lot when your goalkeeper is probably your best player right now. Um, we know how amazing Emmy Martinez can be. And he showed that yesterday. And to be honest, I just feel terrible for him because the project in front of him is so poor right now. And you think we probably have one of the best goalkeepers we've had in God knows how long, at least in probably mine and Seb's existence as a Villa fan um, when it's mainly filled with the likes of Brad <laughs> Puzan. But anyways, um, I hope Brad's doing well in the MLS if he's still playing, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have to give it to Emmy and it's, it's very almost deflating to do so because I just wish we were doing better further up the pitch. But uh, guys, let's, uh, let's go to that comment by Dave and I'm almost forgetting what I wanted to talk about. So let me actually scroll to it because I'm literally that deflated. And if anyone can tell in my voice, that's, a, that's definitely a thing. Marvelous Nakamba. I find it very ironic and I wanted to bring this up at the end of the podcast because maybe some people have tuned off by now, so they won't give me abuse, but Simon, I want your thoughts on this. I do find it slightly hilarious. And I did say this pre-recording how some people are pinning their hopes and dreams of Aston Villa's success on Marvelous Nakamba, who I thought did brilliantly under Stevie G prior to his injury, but was also the man before that everyone said could have probably left in the summer about two seasons ago. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's it's always that thing that uh, injured players get better as each week goes by. It's I mean, yeah, like you say, he those first few games, yeah, he did play really well. Like you no know, credit where credit's due, but you know he he's not someone that I've ever thought is particularly. At, at the level where we would want to get to, um, uh, yeah, I think it, it just it sort of it sums up where we are at the moment in that sort of midfield that we're desperate for the Campbell to come out. And to be fair, as, as I say that, that sounds sounds like an overly harsh thing to say because he's he's obviously a decent player. Like he's not terrible, and he has even last season he sort of played well in a number of games. So he is a good player, but you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be looking to him thinking, right, once he comes back, all our prayers are answered. That that suggests there's there's much deeper problems that, that need addressing. Yeah, and, and Seb, for you, I mean, he can do all the defending he wants and not to be harsh on the camera again, but he's not solving the, the issue further of the pitch the last few games where we're not scoring goals, is he? No, exactly. I think I think the team collectively have to have to take responsibility and it shouldn't be down to Marvellous Nakamba that we look to and go, that's the reason we aren't winning games at the moment. It's a shame about Nakamba though, because I'm not sure how long his period is until he's back, but it seems inevitable, hopefully, that we get we get a defensive midfielder in the summer. So as good as he was or as good as he has been, he probably won't have that long at the club where he he starts many more games for us because you know if a new defensive midfielder comes in in the summer then either Nakamba will leave or he'll be demoted to the bench so it's difficult because when he did come in under Gerard he looked a completely 
revitalised player, but it just hasn't worked out for him, has it? No, not at all. And you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if he pulls kind of a, a Jack Grealish thing at the end of the season, comes back for the, uh, what's our last two games, at home against Palace. And of course, um, we have to go um, <laughs> see our old friend Jack Grealish on the final day where he could potentially be lifting the trophy. Um, I think of that pain almost every day now as it gets a little bit closer, but maybe he comes back at the end of sat- last season like Grealish did and uh, we win both of our last two games and go into the next season with momentum because I felt like when we beat Spurs and then we beat Chelsea, we thought, you know what, we can have a real go next season because of two games that really meant nothing at the end, but nonetheless, uh, false positive momentum is always a good thing. Um, one more thing that I actually did want to read out from uh, Twitter that uh, 7,500 to Holt's own uh, Jake Fenical sent to the uh, website group chat, uh, which I saw yesterday, but I, and I should have screenshotted it, but I'm glad it's here now. It's the rules of Villa Twitter. If you haven't seen this, I think it's actually pretty hilarious. So I'll read through them here as quick as I can. Two wins and we're destined for Europe. Two wins and the manager will probably go on to manage England. Two wins and Lange is a genius. Two losses and the whole thing needs to be pulled apart. Two losses and the boss has no plan B. Two losses and the whole recruitment over the last three years is useless. We need a big dominating bastard at CDM. That kid from the youth team can play CDM. And and let's see here. Any player that doesn't play regularly is the best player in the squad. (laughs) Find a hero. Hail the hero two losses and replace the hero with a kid from the youth team. So if that doesn't kind of summarize Villa Twitter right now in the existence that I've been in for the last decade of Villa Twitter, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to leave it. Um, If the Villa hate Twitter mongers want to go on our backs now, um, at least share the podcast when the post goes live tomorrow. It's very much appreciated for free PR, but anyways, we'll leave it at that. So thank you very much to Simon and to Seb for joining me. Um, I guess this morning for me, this afternoon for them, uh, we should be back for a opposition preview prior to the game next Saturday against Brighton with a Brighton journalist slash fan. So look out for that. And of course we'll be back for the post-match shortly after the game on the Monday morning. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. And don't forget up the villa. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.